0: Our world is being marked by a major transition of epochs towards a more neo medieval era. But what is even meant by this term, neo medieval? My next guest is Greg Levitsky, and he argues that a neo medieval world is characterized by seven mega trends that are pushing us in this direction. Of course, by invoking the term medieval, this has nothing to do with the stereotype of the so called dark ages that dominates popular imagination. Greg Levitsky is a foresight and communications consultant, as well as a philosopher. He is a graduate of the London School of Economics, with a focus on game theory, as well as Maastricht University, with a focus on the future of science. He is currently a non-residential fellow at the Polish Economic Institute, as well as a research fellow at the War Studies University. Both are located in Warsaw, Poland. Uh, Greg Levitsky, welcome to the New
1: Books Network. Uh, hello. It is my pleasure to be here with you.
0: Yeah. So we usually like to begin by asking our guests to explain a little bit about your background
1: and how did you get started on this project? Uh, so yeah, my background, my my, my initial background, academic, uh, the beginning of my academic journey is related to international relations. Um, when I was studying international relations, I kind of realized that the, um, the the number of layers of analysis this kind of research uh, area offers. Well, it it might be insufficient to grasp the complexity of the uh, civilizational processes, you know, uh, changing our world. So then, then I went uh, further to study uh, in Maastricht in the Netherlands social science with focus on, 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 of technological impact on the society, then to study philosophy, um, philosophy of science with economics in uh, London School of Economics, and then to kind of link all of these um, uh, three disciplines, so international relations, social, social science, philosophy, Within um, a, philo- a PhD uh, at Jagiellonian University uh, in Krakow, um, formally from philosophy, but uh, practically uh, the, the PhD is dealing with civilization theory. So something. Um, so so basically, how to analyze uh, the complex reality with many layers uh, available, and it's only then. Uh, that I kind of com- completed this research, I kind of realized, I felt, you know, su- satiated that I kind of had, a, a, you know, the number of tools to that allow me to uh, study civilizational reality. When it comes to um, uh, neo-medievalism or or the new Middle Ages, which is the idea. Uh, just very br- briefly speaking, uh, that says uh, today we face many uh, structures and phenomenon processes uh, that might be uh, typical rather of the Byngold era of the Middle Ages than the modern processes. So, so when it comes to this very idea, I first. Um, came across uh, when it, when i was studying international relations there is this branch of the the british school of international relations uh, and hegely boo a british uh, scholar and uh, um, the, the, who wrote the book Um, the anarchical society. Well, he was speaking plainly, uh, of course, limiting himself to the layer of uh, international relations that these days we are observing some processes like fragmentation of the state power. uh, Well, maybe not decline, but the weakening of the traditional uh, uh, nation state and so on. Uh, And so he claimed that uh, this will be, uh, or this might mean that uh, in the future, twenty third century, uh, 21st century and so on, we will be facing uh, these medieval processes and we should really look for them. But of course, uh, this is only the layer of international relations. This was, for example, creatively developed by, um, by um, um, Jan Zielonka, Oxford scholar, uh, in, in his book, Europe as an Empire. Um, uh, but 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 then I started to uh, ask uh, this question to myself: Can we speak well, whether this medievalization is limited only to uh, international relations, or maybe it is uh, more complex, a bundle of uh, civilizational processes? And then I, then I started to look for different processes. Um, um, I wrote an essay. Uh, around 2010, about which which is called published only in Polish, unfortunately, uh, Network Theory of uh, Medievalism, uh, that I suggested that also in such spheres as uh, social uh, issues, some demography, uh, economics, we can speak of some medieval processes. And then I, I, I really came across uh, um, um, w- when I was really looking for, uh, for more inspiration, I found a wonderful essay by uh, Umberto Eco, um, The Return of the Middle Ages. In fact, it's, an, uh, it's a compilation of two essays. Uh, one is called "About Dreaming of the Middle Ages and the other is called Living. In the new Middle Ages, so in in when it comes to dreaming, Echo said, oh, "Okay, there are many things people call neo-medieval, like I don't know role-playing uh, games." Uh, and um, uh, you know conan the barbarian like uh, i don't know um someone's um, radical conservatism which just like it's, it's, we can we can say it's medieval you know it's 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 the it's, it's return to all, of the dark ages because people i don't know don't read books anymore or 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 focus on religion or something like that so 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 echo said something okay let's sort out this kind of trivial um med- uh, pseudo medieval um, um, um shallow medieval uh, connotations and and let's let's switch to um, really medieval processes and and and, and uh, Elko listed in in his essay, I really recommend this essay. It's really uh, eye opening. So, of course, his remarks are quite essayistic. But he refers to, for example, the great migration um, of of the people that really will reshape the face, the civilizational face of Europe. He he's is speaking about uh, some um, processes within uh, your you know urban development, how cities start to develop, how. Uh, how social groups become alienated. And then when I read this, I kind of realized, okay, I am following in very, very noble uh, footsteps, and I can really make um, uh, of the new middle ages as this, this idea, something more coherent, more something which is broader than pure a well-grounded academic reference to international relations. And that's how I started to develop develop this idea. And in the meantime, um, around 2015, I think, um, I I was contacted by uh, the the office of the mayor of uh, the Polish city of Wrocław, who was back then uh, hosting the European Capital of Culture uh, project. And they asked me to kind of prepare a volume that would uh, develop this um, um, new, new middle ages as a civilizational bundle. Um, as a result, uh, the, 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 there was a collection of essays written uh, cities in the neo-medieval era. Published in, in Polish and English in two languages, and then this is more or less how how uh, how I started to root this uh, uh, idea of civilizational uh, medievalism first within the uh, Polish um, let's say in the intellectual landscape of the intellectual life. And then I, um, the very fact that it was also published in English allowed me to uh, also uh, contact some scholars that share my intuitions and develop this uh, this idea further. Uh, for example, with the professor Keith Tarlach from um, U- Utrecht University, with more focus on. Urban or urban uh, city-related dimensions of uh, medievalization. So, so, so basically, uh, as we can see from this very brilliant idea of Hadley Bull, to uh, that the post-Westphalian uh, idea of classic na- nation-states is basically receding or or evolving towards a more networked um reality uh, of uh, network states um to this very idea that uh, it's not only international relations as a layer but we also have many layers other layers of reality it's kind of important i would say because um because if uh, our reality is starting to resemble uh, some medieval processes uh in so many layers, and I count at least seven layers of of, of, of these changes. Then, uh, you know, it 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 it's, it's not only a uh, you know uh, a theory of international relations. It's become a kind of bundle of interconnected trends that uh, have um, that have influenced and will keep influencing one another uh, in the decades uh, to come. And that's speaking. Like when it comes to Europe, for example, because when we look at the world, uh, um, it seems that there are uh, the medievalization of the of the world uh, as a globe. It's uh, well, it's 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 dif- it's different. It, it, it's it's following different dynamics in different parts of the globe. Uh, there's the there's a the book, the recent book uh, published by Springer uh, by Czech. Czech scholar Bakumi Dobosh called simply uh, "New Middle Ages," where he is trying to uh, show or approximate that globally on the world map, where uh, which uh, medieval processes uh, are happening. Of course, he is limited to uh, international relations understanding of uh, neo-medievalism, but it, it shows that the idea is 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 alive. And that we are uh, basically, uh, there the, the, are. It's inspiring for the scholars. It's one of the most important things uh, to have today. Something that is inspiring. Something that goes beyond the, you know, the theories of 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 civilization we have. Because we of course can say, but of course we have uh, the, the, you know, the the world systems theory. We have many theories of globalization. We have. Um, we have network theory. We have game theory. We have um, uh, we have many different tools at our disposal as scholars. And and and, and a personal note here. I'm I'm currently only uh, with my w- with one of my legs within the academic world. My 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 other leg is uh, in the uh, is is in the the world of uh, let's say prognostics or foresight, which means I'm. Uh, um, um, i'm advising the uh, corporate public military uh, entities um, as to what uh, will or might happen and why and w- which processes are um are uh, are behind my pre- uh, predictions and suggestions that's why this midi- uh, neo medievalism is a very important layer one of many of course but an important layer uh, when we look at uh, international reality we have uh, we, we have, of course, civilizational layers. We have demographic layers, with economic layers. We have geopolitical uh, layers. But this m- 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 neo-medieval layer, I, I, I would dare to say, it's, it's an important and um, fr- potentially fruitful layer of analysis that uh, may lead us to well to uh, um, some truthful um, conclusions about where are we headed. That's a fascinating uh, backstory.
0: And just from what you were talking about with the neo-medievalisms, I know just even in regular medieval studies, that has really kind of grown. And the whole uh, stereotypical dark age uh, image has kind of gone away. I remember uh, in one of my medieval uh, history classes, the professor on the first day said, if you use that term, I'll fail you because we just hate we just hate it when people invoke that term wrongly because it just simply meant there was a lack of written documents at the time. It didn't mean, you know, as he put it, oh, Europe returned to the stone ages. That's not what happened at all. And I know uh, with, yeah.
1: And I also know, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was just just about to say that, you know, that the very idea of dark ages was created uh, in the era of enlightenment uh, just to, to kind of let's say well um it was diminutive term a term just to just to say that you know there was no complexity uh, uh people were irrational and so on. and of course and of course when we speak of medievalization today uh, it's 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 well many processes are worrisome but but what I'm trying to say um that just don't like when I speak to many people they they are getting Triggered, you know, emotionally triggered. Each time the very idea of new Middle Ages as a kind of point of reference uh, um, arises, they say, "Well, well, well, what do you do? You want to bring us back to the, to these dark ages?" And then I have to start a long discussion about how you know um, normative uh, prognostics differs from uh, descriptive prognostics. So normative prognostics says. We want reality to be like A, B, C, or D, uh, and we will kind of we want to shape it uh, toward this point. Whereas descriptive prognostic says, look, uh, there are certain processes uh, uh, in, uh, in the background working, and well, whether you like it or not, they are there, and we have to address them somehow. And that, that's, that's, that's the bad thing when you are getting triggered because uh, we are referring to some processes as new medieval, then it only means that you don't want to uh, talk about some issues because they are labeled as uh, new medieval. This is really bad. And I'm really fighting uh, just, just to kind of change this. Uh, and I, well, I, I think I already succeeded partially at least. Um, especially when people realize that it's not only, you know, about international relations. There, there are like seven layers. Maybe I can speak briefly about these seven layers. Yes, in
0: fact, we were just. I was just about to ask you about that. You speak of these seven megatrends that kind of yes. outline this neo-medieval era. And the first one yes. you mentioned is international relations, the emergence of the network state, as you put. Yes. You explain so so uh, that different.
1: one for us yes yeah, so this, so 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 just maybe re- just summarize again uh well we are witnessing the decline of the traditional nation state and the emergence of the network state it doesn't mean that states will you know cease to exist they will have to share and they already have to share power with many different entities like big tech companies like uh you know like uh, uh, the the association the the, the economic associations uh, like uh you know the the new uh, let's say nobility or just basically very very wealthy uh, individuals uh, and, and so on and so on. So that's, that's, that's international relations. Then we have this demographic and migration related uh, um, uh, medievalism. When we look at the very, very beginning of the uh, you, you know, uh, new middle ages. So let's say the, 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 the final era of uh, the Roman Empire impacts uh, Roman uh, era, which is the, 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 the period of the more than 200 years long Period of peace. Then we had this great migration of people, um, uh, basically pushing the limits of of the empire, the the boundary, changing its uh, culture within, changing it also from the outside. um, and, and, And basically, when we look at the Western civilization, the civilization that we are. Uh, having in Europe right now, it was based on this. Uh, well, its it, its root, its cradle was this migration or the the mixing of cultures um, within Roman Empire that basically um, formed the West. So we we are having something very similar uh, in many places of the uh, world. That I mean, long term um, persistent um, migration that is actually Changing culturally, uh, many re- global regions. It's not only Europe; it's also the United States. But when we look at Europe, well, we will have uh, we will have this uh, change, of course, um, and of course that maybe that's important. We are not coming back to to Middle Ages because when we look philosophically at what is happening right now. Uh, history can be likened, you know, to a uh, a spiral. So, spiral is on the one hand, it's cycli- uh, cyclical. So, some processes re- uh, recur, just come back, but it's also linear. Uh, spiral goes in certain directions. So, so we are witnessing the um, first, both cyclical and linear processes. Many people uh, really have difficulties in thinking uh, in such a dual, you know, manner how something can be both cyclic and linear well it depends on how many dimensions uh, dimensions of reality you are speaking of so okay so we have this so we have the second which is uh, demography then we have uh, this religion uh, and, and ethnicity related uh, uh, medievalist um, so basically uh, well of course in europe uh, while relig- religion is seems to be in certain certain places and Europe uh, in decline but when you look when we look globally when we look at africa when we look in uh, in, in in the india uh, pakistan uh, so we witness the uh, well well the, the the condition of religion is quite you know quite uh, substantial we will not have this kind of and de- en- total de- enchantment of the world uh, uh on uh, co- to the contrary many people who are uh, traveling uh, to europe for example from africa from the middle east um uh, there, there was this um, ancient you know ancient uh, philosophers were saying that people are carrying their habits with them and that's 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 the that's exactly what is happening people are carrying their religions their uh, their culture uh, to the, the the new place of living, which is, for example, Europe. So let's stick to this European example, and they want to uh, realize uh, th- th- their cultural religious needs while there. So, so um, uh, even in places where we w- we will have this kind of decline of religiosity, in a way. We will have uh, the growing uh, impo- the politi- growing political importance of religions. Why? Because when we look at, for example, at the history of late Roman Empire, uh, religion was, uh, was acting as this kind of unifying um, factor. Of course, there was. Well, let's stick to this era of Pax Romana, the the, the era of Roman peace. We had many religions, religions competing for, uh, for, for, for you know, for the, for souls, because well, no matter what we think, uh, your soul is you know a, li- a limited commodity. You can, you can have one religion or the other religion, or you can be an atheist, or you can potentially linked some uh, atheist inclinations and religious, but when it comes to religion, you can have only one religion in your heart. I tried to kind of quite, quite simplistically uh, model, uh, or basically to show how this kind of uh, game theoretic uh, approach to religion looks like. Uh, I once uh, had this TEDx talk called Simulator simulator of Christianity. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. It's very, very simple, but but, but basically shows that religions are, you know, are um, groups of, you know, um, social bonding and they offer some comfort especially uh, when, it, when you are feeling alienated. And when, what we feel right now is happening in Europe, and it was also what um, Umberto Eco was, uh, was pointing out, is the growing kind of alienation and segregation of social groups uh, in accordance with uh, religious and ethnic variables. Uh, so what well, well, there's this there's the whole network uh, game theoretic science behind how segregation is emerging but what we can see right now in europe is just Probably something I call Balkanization, which means the segregation of, uh, of 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 cultures, and this is precisely also what happened in late Roman Empire before the advent of the the Middle Ages. But w- w- let 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 it leave it uh, uh, like that for now, because there's this fourth. Uh, uh, um, s- s- symptom of uh, new Middle Ages, which is which manifests itself in the area of law, like we we used to we are used to this kind of uh, legal systems that are well uniform, um, stretching uh, throughout the entire territory and. There's there's only a single system of law. Whereas in the past, in the Middle Ages, and of course uh, we we can observe it also right now, we can see something I call a crawling legal pluralism. This means that you can have many legal standards on a single territory. Take example from Europe, for example, France. Uh, on the one hand, uh, we, France is a lay state, and, uh, and 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 the state is a guardian of 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 uh, lay legal system. But on the other hand, uh, there you have um, different sources of law, like the authority of Quran, uh, that many um, many uh, Muslims are basically claiming. Well, uh, the lay uh, law of France cannot be put higher than their religious law of Sharia. And of course, um, President Macron is trying to kind of, well, do something with this duality of law. Uh, but as we can see, uh, it, it's not, well, he's not very, very successful. So so we ca- we have some areas in France that, well, because many people believe in this uh, superiority of Sharia law, they, um, well, it is the law that is more uh, you know closer to their hearts the, the process is, is scrolling but 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 it's also happening in 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 great britain we had for example some problems related to uh, the, the muslim marriages how uh, the, there's this great debate in in in, in uh, united kingdom how should uh, legal uh, system treat these marriages that are invalid uh, when it comes to uh, british law um, and so on and so on so this is the fourth uh, the fourth um, um, let's say medieval phenomenon there is also this uh, technolo- very 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 interesting technological uh, dimension of medievalism um uh, it's related mostly to this uh, the, the the idea of you know uh, Ill- new illiteracy. So in the past, uh, we had, well, not enough uh, information in circulation. So people were, when when it comes to spread of information, it was, well, m- quite, a, quite a, only a few people could basically read. Uh, if you had some information, you had it from a town crier or from a tavern or from, a uh, you know, a royal herald. Uh, so there was not enough information. People were did not have enough information to basically uh, decide. And and you would say, well, how can this relate uh, to you know the, the modern era where we have this information overload? We have so so that's that's a paradox because uh, today there's two much information around but when we have this um overabundance our brain reacts by rejection so if i have if there's too much information around i basically deny i basically reject the very uh, fact of absorbing information our brain is uh is is rejecting too uh too much information this is this is oh um this is uh there is this uh uh, old story children's story by uh by Alexander Fredro about a donkey that had um that had many types of oats or hay to choose from at, at the very end uh it it's it, 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 you know, this donkey passes away because it cannot choose which one, which, what to eat, right? So this is precisely what is happening right now. If you ask people, do they feel, do they feel well informed? So there is also, there's also this uh, technological, uh, technology-related social uh, um, medievalism related to new illiteracy. So in the past, Um, we had had not enough information floating around. People were notoriously uh, ill-informed or they just lacked uh, information. Um, When they got some information, well, only a few people could really read books uh w- what you had was also w- only spoken you know words some uh, some rumors you got information from tavern from from a bar from a, from from a royal herald but then we can ask how can this uh, re- be related to modern era where the situation is directly op- the op- you know to the opposite we have uh, information overload so it seems that uh, um, really, it doesn't matter whether you have uh, no information or too much information. your brain tends your brain, tends to react in the in the same way. It does not process information. So these days, uh, we have this new literacy because because of the information overload we we just reject you know we reject information we uh uh we we think we are living in this kind of quagmire of fake news of uh, of information and um, and, but 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 as a result, we are ill-informed, just as we were in the Middle Ages. We believe in you know uh, we, we we believe in propaganda. We believe we are being bubbled uh, in some uh, social spheres where well there is no uh, global. Uh, circulation or uh, there are rumors circulating we we could see this in when it comes to for example the covid-19 uh, misinformation so 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 this is the th- th- there was this uh, children's story by alexander Fred- fredro a polish poet um about a donkey that that, uh, that passed away between mongers of oats and hay so basically it had too much to choose from and it did not choose anything and it died. And this is basically how uh, we are acting these days uh, when it comes to information. So so um, information is not serving this, what's, let's say, ideal theoretical goal that enlightenment had uh, prepared for information. Information was tending to create knowledge. Information uh, um, uh, was all about, you know, making people uh, better educated, uh, more adaptable, and so on. And of course, there is some, there is certain progress when it comes to education. But um, as um, as as the technological progress allows us to choose from many sources of information, as algorithms as algorithms sort the information for us in, in a way we want, we sort our information socially. So we are uh, tending to believe uh, uh, that our neighbor who watched something from YouTube is a, of, is a greater authority than, I don't know, professor or someone else. So this is also, um, and this will basically lead to similar processes that uh, were happening in the Middle Ages. For example, in Europe, uh, in the COVID era, some people, you know, believe uh, the uh, the Wi-Fi, uh, the Wi-Fi or the, the um, um, mobile signal uh, towers uh, were spreading COVID or whatever, and so people start to, you know, burn uh, uh, these uh, these towers uh, because they thought they would really fight some evil uh, by doing so. So. Where is rationality? It's not rationality anymore. Uh, Rationality is getting fragmented and our societies are also getting fragmented. um, And and this is an important, uh, another, uh, I think the fifth uh, uh, dimension of neo-medievalism. There is also an economic dimension of uh, neo-medievalism. So I I call it um, the feudalization of capitalism. Uh, uh, which brings about feudal risks. So we have this, you know, especially leftist thought uh, t- tells us that we have this crisis of capitalism because of uh, it cannot manages, um, you know, mature capitalists cannot manage the um, the life of 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 you know of in, individuals and so on. So and you have and 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 you have some. Um, Few processes that are feudal in nature that are stepping in. There are many many uh, uh, scholars who are uh, speaking of uh, digital feudalism, for example, uh, like Varoufakis, uh, Greek uh, economist. There, but but the important thing is that what is capitalism? Capitalism is a system that um, get, attributes market value to everything. Uh, whereas feudal um, feudal uh, system just goes beyond the market value and basically create um, is open about hierarchies that exist in the world and, uh, well, um, tries to uh, make people accustomed to the fact that there are hi- hi- hierarchies of power, there are hierarchies of possession, that uh, many of us are less powerful than, uh, well, uh, th- th- than the selected few. Uh, and. And this is, this is this kind of, um, it's not this kind of neo-feudalism, the feudalism as a part of economic uh, medievalization, is of course being contested by by some scholars, but I believe it's very, uh, very important uh, um, way to look at Raadi. I I will give you one example. Uh, When we look, for example, at the, how um, technological, companies operate, they basically, um, they basically treat you as this kind of, uh, well, <laughs> as it's kind of, you know, a digital peasant. You by they trade, they, they track your, um, what you are doing in the web they are earning money on you because you are sorting information for for them they create a psychological uh pro uh, you know um uh, profile of of you they earn money on you but you don't earn this money on you. on the on the other hand you cannot reject the technological interconnectedness so you are being kind of forced to use the tools that are um in a way exploiting you so this is the how that technology is being uh this kind of feudal uh factor that reshapes us but also when it comes to government uh, governments are offering a new deal i mean the, the public sphere becomes well a bit well it's, it's growing uh in many countries uh the elites are you know realized that to compete with um, um, private companies of global of global reach, smaller or uh, middle powers, middle middle power states, have to create the the the, the public the, the public controlled national champions like companies uh, that have uh, that have enough influence but important public component and they put them on this uh, stage of international relations to compete uh, for influence influences and powers and and of course in in the in in the uh in the process you you witnessed well the weakening of the middle class especially in the western civilization uh, so the, the middle class is becoming weaker and weaker uh well i i would even i would even say we are entering this kind of era of post property you don't because things around like flats uh, like cars are expensive you don't you don't want to uh, have them possess them anymore own them i'm sorry you don't want to own them you can use them but well for 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 the growing number of people it seems uh, very rational very prudent uh, to um, not to own anything, uh, because well, because you can consume more uh, by only using some things like cars, like uh, using the, the music, using films, not owning uh, uh, the 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 components, uh, the material uh, components of things to use. So 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 there are many many uh, undescribed and hidden, unlocked thus far unlocked layers. Of this economic medievalization that still remain uh, undescribed, uh, and that's, that's a very well, so to speak, a fertile field for you know for researchers uh, to to think of, and and again, it's unlocked by this medieval thinking that uh, well it's not it's not about you know feudalism coming and you know you know be, coming here and basically killing capitalism no when we when we look at economic system as networks you can have a dominant uh, capitalist network with sprouting um slowly sprouting um parts of networks that follow a bit different logic, uh, the feudal feudal logic. So this is important to note because when I'm uh, talking to people about neo-medievalism, it's not that neo-medievalism will, will, I don't know, destroy liberalism. It's more when we we look graphically, we, we could look at when you take a glass of water and you pour some orange juice. So you see this orange juice is just you know spreading slowly spreading in different parts uh, basically reshaping the, um, uh, the the color of the water so this is how medievalization is changing uh, uh, our reality also uh, maybe let's 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 go to the last uh, neo medieval trend it is uh, visible in um, in well city life or urbanism first of all is there are some works already that say that structurally the modern states uh, the modern cities are uh, when it comes to structure they produce the the the, um, uh, the processes they trigger or the um, how they reshape reshape the area uh, for for the population they are more um, they could be more uh, likened to the medieval. So we are basically, cities are changing um, structurally to kind of be more uh, similar to those from the Middle Ages. And when we look at the different layers of reality, we know why, because real, different layers of reality creates what people want, what people love, what people, uh, where people go. And this is, of course, visible later in this um, era of uh. Uh, you know, in the in the area of the city, and also there's another thing that well might be worrisome, I would say, really when it comes to the future, is that rationality um, rationality is is is, um, is not the sole or the only important factor anymore. Many people, you know, would say uh, would say would prefer uh, something I call reasonability. So your reasonability is basically treating rationality as is, is one of the components that enable you to make some decisions. So uh, look, for example, at some processes when uh, when um, city-related decisions are being made. So in the past, we thought there are politicians, they ask, you know, expert, and the, the experts rational decide something should be produced somewhere. <clears throat> Whereas in fact, uh, people say, no, 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 you know rationality is important but experts might be biased but you have to take uh, into account the social emotions of the people no matter uh, their the rationality you can have you know uh, ra- irrational emotions you can have irrational beliefs you can have irrational inclinations and and this irrationality have to be taken uh, care of so people uh, so this is really interesting so so these days, uh, a, a growing virtue in in a popular uh, understanding, when it comes to a public opinion, is to be reasonable instead of be rational. If you're reasonable, well, people have you know their own truths. I have my own truth. Uh, it might be it might be formed, uh, you know. Uh, from religious, uh, cultural, philosophical, uh, many many different components, but reasonability is becoming more more and more important, which is to certain extent well um, um, well reverse of this um, well enlightenment related ideal of of rationality that will permeate the all social classes from very top to uh, to the bottom. it's It doesn't work like that. And we are, well, we are getting, uh, we should really be kind of taking this as, as, as something constant because it allows us to manage uh, global changes um, more efficiently. So these are, you know, these seven uh, features of uh, uh, neo-medievalism. So, in international relations, in demography and migration, in religion and ethnicity, in law, in technology, in urbanism, and in the economy, and of course, it is. I would well, of course, talk for hours how these uh, seven, how this golden seven, and uh, um, how each component is influenced in influencing one another. But maybe it's maybe maybe well, you leave it for later. The the important thing is that this way of Thinking should really unlock our imagination and uh, allow us to, you know, cope with the the reality and even, you know, prognosticate the problems that are not visible yet for uh, the decision makers. Yeah. And- to counter
0: these uh, mega trends, you uh, mentioned several strategies that we need to implement for these, like weakening legal pluralism, new multiculturalism, codification of European values, uh, and strengthening European Union institutions. Can you explain these uh, in further detail?
1: Yeah. yeah. So, so of course, of course, uh, these uh, these you know these tools I, I put forward are are. Um, are only, it's only a list of, of first, uh, of, of the first few, there, there, I, I'm really certain there will be many important uh, ways or important new tools that we will, we will have to forge, you know, um, to, you know, we have to forge words, you know, to, to, you know, to adapt to the Middle Ages, we have to really, uh, sometimes, some, when it comes, for example, this legal pluralism, For example, you know, uh, we really need, uh, you know, we should not normalize um, uh, the, the very fact that, because, for example, we are culturally different, uh, we can have different approach to law. Uh, w- when we will follow this, it it might be acceptable for some, but we would be really, uh, you know, hastening. We will we would be speeding up the cultural fragmentation of Europe. So, for example, in principle, what uh, to stick to, uh, to the French example I I, I mentioned before what uh, the French president macron is is saying uh trying to uh uh make for example some religious communities to state plainly that they agree for the superiority of uh, French lay law it's it's very well it's uh, it's very difficult because it might uh, make him unpopular that he's kind of influencing religions, that he's uh, not respecting cultural, you know, cultural di- differences, and so on. But if uh, uh, if we, if we uh, won't, uh, if we accept legal problem, we would really wake up in this reality, uh, like in the Middle Ages, where you went to the court and the judge would ask you under which law you want to be judged and you would say uh, you know under lay law or christian law or 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 or, or muslim law or you know it's it, it it might sound really you know sound funny even you know when you when you when you hear that but these processes are uh, these processes are really really somewhere uh, in the background they are not that much visible but they will manifest themselves in in the future decades another thing for example um really really have to work a new approach to uh, uh, uh managing cultural diversity and multi multiculturalism for example you know um, we have to stabilize uh, our our when it comes to europe for example we have to stabilize the complexity and plurality of different uh, cultural traditions in a way that first would be stable so the societies would uh, uh, first have this feeling their diversity is recognized, but on the other hand, they would not reject the uh, overarching i don 't know state order or what uh, the muslim uh, scholar Ibn Khaldun called Asabiya, so the overarching goal, overarching unity. If we won't have this unity, we will have really medieval uh, processes or even, you know, the new cold, cold religious wars uh, in Europe, which means uh, isolating uh, um, isolation of rel- religions based on uh, the, 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 their beliefs. It, it's already starting if you look at some um, uh, some areas in uh, uh, Western Europe. So to counter this, I I have written uh, quite a few essays about how uh, the um, Eastern European tradition from Jagellonian times. So there was this uh, period in European history in uh, Eastern Europe that um, there, there was this kind of, uh, a state that was really relatively much more tolerant than the Western Europe, because uh, because the kings were really uh, approaching multiculturalism with a set of uh, simple rules. Uh, so, for example, one of the, one of these rules was that if your sacred book uh, books say something different to uh, what the uh what what the king is saying then you have to uh, adapt or not uh um, realize the content of, of of the book for example there was this rule that uh you have to practice whatever habit whatever cultural religious uh, ethnic habit as, as long as it does not uh, r- lead to separatism and so on. So, so, so there are many, many, many ways where we could learn from the history of Eastern Europe uh, to reshape, to address uh, new middle ages, uh, to create this stable, tolerant society. Uh, but if you want real tolerance, you have to first uh, realize The processes that are in the background, if you if you close your eyes, if you this is what happened, unfortunately, in the Western Europe. Uh, Many politicians were closing eyes, just ignoring cultural turmoil, which results to, you know, things like ghettoization, isolation, separatism. Uh, so, there is there is this tradition that might help. Also, there is this very, you know, there's this question about, you know, codif- codifying European values. On the one hand, uh, we can say, well, we can have European Union of the future, even as a federation, uh, that would not have common, you know, axiological, so value-related uh, handbook. Well, well, of course, you can have different values in Poland, different values in Czech Republic, different values in France, and so on and so on. But against that, there are some who are saying there should be some European, common European values related to heritage. For I, I will give you one example. Uh, there, there is this story about... Um, about whether a female should wear a religious scarf. So Sweden, Switzerland, different countries say something differently. One of, one of, one of them is saying, well, women's rights require women's rights require you to basically reject the scarf because the scarf is a symbol of male oppression. On the other hand, uh, some other, you know, uh, analysts say, no, 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 look, uh, everyone can do whatever the tradition, religious traditions uh, tell them. So we have on the one hand religious freedom, on the other hand, we have female rights. So what to do when they clash with each other? We will have a similar question like that uh, emerging in Europe in the future. And some of, some of the scholars say, well, maybe we should Really, qualify European values, and of course, we had in the past we had uh, 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 such um, such initiatives. But as you might uh, have guessed, they they led nowhere because uh, there was too much complexity. People really advocated different things, and no one in European Union could agree what should be these European values. So, so. Uh, so, but if we won't do this right now, we will have um, we will have this kind of uh, I call it dappled Europe. So Europe, Europe of of different uh, cultures, different cultural norms, of uh, different different um, um, civilizational inclinations, and so on. And as a result, we might actually live in a in a in a in a, in a world where part of European geopolitics will be led by the Caliphs, the Pope, the lay leaders that will have to really uh, entangle in this network of, uh, of power competition. It is, it is a likely future. So, so so this is this is about the European values. It's a difficult, very difficult issue. Also, there is this um, the, the third, maybe not that evident way, uh, the fourth sorry way to combat uh, some negative trends of the New Middle Ages is this uh, adap- proteus uh, protean adaptation, Pro- proteus was this uh, was this ancient god in mythology that could keep his essence but take different shapes. So he could be a animal, a human, or whatever. But he was remaining itself. So it it it, it apparently sh- seems that when we unlock our imagination by uh, neo-medieval thinking, we might just look for, well, totally different solutions, institutional, procedural solutions uh, uh, on many on local and central levels of political management that might really well that we that we are well, afraid of uh, thinking these days because they uh, they they seem weird but in the future they would really seem very very natural so so this kind of protein adaptation uh, that comes uh, to mind uh, together with the postulate to really. Unlock our imagination and reject the old pattern, the, the old patterns of thinking. This is another way or more a kind of general approach. Um, also, uh, you could really manage uh, uh, neo-medieval trends by, by uh, institutional reforms, be it on local level, central level, or uh, well, over this uh, over the, the level over the central level, which is, for example, European Union. Uh, so we could really strengthen some uh, European institutions. I was I was uh, suggesting we could really strengthen uh, the uh, the European uh, Committee of Regions, uh, well, just to um, give way to these uh, down to top social uh, pro democratic trends, uh, to you know to trigger some adaptive management, and of course. It's the great discussion about the future, uh, and of course, every region of the world, depending on the institution it has, will have to find different solutions. Now, I just mentioned European Union, but United States will really have to uh, find its way within this uh, medievalization as well. So, these are, you know, the five ways I can I can really uh, speak of right now. But there are, of course, many different ways. Uh, that will emerge and that will really enable us to manage this uh, european uh, entity and neo medieval process.
0: Yeah, this has been a real fascinating uh, discussion. We usually like to end by asking our guests what are they uh, what are you working on now uh, besides the neo medieval uh, geopolitics project.
1: Well, th- these days I am I am working something um, uh, and yet another layer, apart from uh, neo-materialism, that would really help uh, the foresight consultants uh, and people who deal with who double, you know, prognostics, to really uh, make uh, efficient predictive bundles and, and adequate judgment about the world. So, so what I'm trying to do right now is to uh, uh, create this kind of new uh, new approach to. Uh, comparative uh, research on civilizations. So we, we, many of us know this idea of Arnold Toynbee or by Samuel Huntington, that you have uh, above this international level, there are also uh, cultural groups or cultural zones, or Speaking plainly, civilizations. So we have Western civilization, Russian Orthodox civilization. You have Confucian civilization. You can have African civilization, Islamic, and so on and so on. But the problem is when when you when you speak about civilizations, uh, there are many critics of this approach because they say, well, by um, uh, subscribing people to only one civilization, you are basically building walls between the people. Uh, You are, uh, there's, for example, Peter Katzenstein, uh, the the renowned uh, Ivy League American uh, theorist of international relations. He's just saying like that, something like that, that you are building walls between the people by dividing the world uh, into civilization. But on the other hand, we feel uh, there is this whole, whole area of research called You know, research on cultural distance between groups, uh, societies. So I'm trying to kind of um, use network theory, game theory, and some uh, mm, uh, models that would feed on uh, econometric data sets, including uh, state power index and index of state power are created, and the research by World Value Survey and different. Data sets. so i'm taking all this and trying to sh- to show that in fact civilizations are not you know neighborhoods that have you know walls in between but uh, the civilization first do exist but they are networks they are networks that uh, are in constant friction and constant cooperation and you can basically measure civilizational identities and the very very Well, intuitive example would be what is happening right now, for example, in Ukraine. Ukraine uh, has already switched the civilizational belonging from the Russian Orthodox uh, cultural zone to the Western uh, zone. And, well, uh, many, many people in Eastern Europe, in Poland and so on, really could see this coming, this ongoing war as well. Uh, myself included, but many people on Western schools have not really uh, have never really expected something like this to uh, to happen. And if you take uh, my tools that I'm, that I'm creating, in the future these kind of adaptive elusive, dynamic evolving um, civilizational properties of of states of cultures will be uh, more measurable and more useful for uh, prognostics.
0: Very fascinating. In fact, uh, when you further develop that work, uh, we can have you back on the program, and you can, we can discuss that.
1: Oh, I would I I be really delighted. I, well, I'm, I'm giving myself a year or, 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 or two just to finish uh, uh, this book, and uh, hopefully we would talk uh, again about this very issue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Greg Levitsky, uh, thank you for joining us on the New Books Network for this very fascinating talk.
1: Thank you. It's, it was a great pleasure.